Amen. If you have your Bibles, amen, let's go to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verse 24 through 27, amen. Matthew 7, very familiar scripture, and oftentimes we read this in Sunday school, and uh, we teach a lesson on it, but we want to focus tonight on what God has to speak to us in our union and our families. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them will be likened him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock it was founded upon christ jesus and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. The Lord bless the reading of his word. We can take our seats. If you could, I'd like you to turn over to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and let's read verse 27 together. It says here in the scripture, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're reading our scriptures today, and Paul the Apostle is writing here to the church of Philippia and speaking to them, let your conversation, now that, that's not just merely us speaking one to another. That speaks of let our lives be that which becometh of the gospel of Christ. We need to stand fast. We need to be a people that are strengthened, that are people that are mature in the word, people that have meditated on the promises of God, people that know where they're standing. You see, we need to have families that know where they're standing. We can't have families that are built upon the sand. We need families, we need marriages, we need the people that come to the house of God. We need them to be built upon the rock, which is Christ Jesus. And in Zoo to do that, we need to be in one spirit. We're not in one spirit, in the spirit of the pastor. We're not in the spirit of the associate. But we are in the spirit and we are in one mind with Jesus Christ. And so we stand together in order to be a family. 
I, I like to speak to us, and, and the theme of our, our service tonight is to be a focused family, to be and of unity and oneness, unity and oneness in Christ Jesus. Now, I like to uh, relay this to you because uh, I, I, I just appreciated when our Lord Jesus said these words that in Luke chapter 9, it's not on the screen, it came to me back in a seat there. And, and our Lord Jesus, you know, he spoke to the disciples and he, he said unto them, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But you see, the Son of Man hath not the where to lay his head. I was thinking on these thoughts, and you know, a, a fox, he, he has a hole, he's got a den. And inside of that den, he's got, they've got children, they've got family. They, they, they rally in the comfort and the safety of the den. If there is an obstacle, if there is a danger, you will see a fox r r retreat into the den. He'll pull its cubs into the den. We see the birds now this time of season. Uh, we we're noticing, Sister Hannah and I, we're noticing in our area where we live that the eagles have returned. And the, the treetops, you know, we, we've got about five that are swooping in our area. It's so wonderful. You hear them crying out. And, and they're swooping in our area. But I, I, as I begin to notice the young ones that have come back, they're there to build a nest. They're there to create an environment. They're there to build a home. And as we begin to watch them, they're going and they're taking branches. And I want you to notice that they're broken branches. They're gathering broken branches and they're building them together. And a bird uses spittle of their own to glue that, bird, that, 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 that nest together. And in our thoughts, in our minds is... Is you know the Lord Jesus, He 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 calls us from every tongue and nation, but none of us are 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 are, are perfect people. We're all broken branches, and the great eagle has gathered up us peoples together, broken branches, uh, children of His, what we call His family, His people, and He's created an environment for us to come and find safety in. That is what a family is supposed to be. Yeah. A home is supposed to be a place where we can come together as husband and wife and find rest. Yeah. A home is supposed to be a place where when the children are, grow are growing, that they have a place that they desire to come and rest themselves in safety. We don't want our children to, to get comfortable roaming the, the malls or, or the, the natural community centers. We want our children to have the comfort and safety to come to their nest, to come to home so they can nourish. And their friends also would desire to come and find comfort in the place of rest. The Lord Jesus is looking for a bride. He's looking for you and I. He's, he's found a mate, and we, we, we speak in prophecy, behold the Lamb's wife. He has a place of safety. He has an arms to, to come to and to love. We are that bride, that safety point. Our Lord Jesus, when he came unto his own and they rejected him, they refused him, he had no place to lay his head. 
But now, as he's got a bride sitting before us today, as he's got you, he's got I, he, he's got somebody to, to fellowship with, to love, to be comforted with, and to comfort. Remember, the name God is object of worship. He desires to be worshipped. Now, as we spoke last Wednesday, and the Lord led us, and we, we spoke, and, and, and we, we, you know, the Lord really went down avenues and places. I, I, in my heart, I had no, in, in, no knowledge or intention to go, but the Lord leads us those directions. And, but we wanted to speak here about the last Wednesday about the being focused as a family and in fellowship with God. Knowing that our strength comes from God and our relationships need to be strengthened in fellowship with Almighty God. Brother Brandon would say in this quotation of fellowship, he says, now fellowship comes by love. Can you all say that? Love. And love requires fellowship. And love, uh, if you love your wife, You've got, you've just got to get with her and talk with her. Uh, this is to me fellowship. If you love somebody, you know, we're, we're speaking to many different people tonight are in seasons of their lives. But I want you to not just have a natural connection to this, but I want you to take a spiritual connection with our Lord Jesus. It's very important because some of us, you know, maybe don't have a wife or a husband or we've lost them or, or, or something's happened. I just want us to connect knowing that our Lord Jesus desires to love you and have fellowship you. Yeah. And, and he, Brother Brandon says, and if you love God, there's got to be the ba uh, a basis for fellowship. You have to have a connection. You have to have a basis. You have to have a start point. You have to have a continuance of fellowship with God. Brother Adam says in the 62 and oneness, he says, and it is the only grounds of fellowship that God has ever laid down for himself and his church is the oneness of himself in the people. Now, God desires for you to step in, step into his glory, step into who he is. You know, you have to have faith for this to be able to know that God, the reality of Christ Jesus Christ as the person, and step into it. Brother Brown refers to this message, oneness. He begins to say, once you've stepped in into oneness with Christ Jesus, then you know his mind. It's the same in our relationships. Once we know, once we've had fellowship, once we speak with one another, we know one another's position. Once we get into that, that, that intimacy with one another, we have the ability to already know one another's thoughts. Now, some of us have been married a little while, and, and we, you know, we understand this very clearly. If I ask the older ones, you know, I, my wife and I, we, we have the ability to look at one another in a scenario or a situa situation, and uh, we just have to give one another a look, and we already know what one another is thinking. Yes, How many married couples are, 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 are know what I'm talking about, you know? Especially with your children. Something's going on, and all you have to look at your wife a certain way, and right away, 
Okay, whether it's disciplinary, whether it's like change the subject, or it's like, you know, we've got to get something. You know, we know, right? <laughs> you got me, right? You know exactly what that's all about. Well, the Lord Jesus desires for us to enter into a unity, into a fellowship with him, that we know his minds. We know his desire. We know what his word says. Come on, church, we need to know what his word says. It's not just good enough for the preachers to know what his word says. You should be able to follow along with my thoughts this evening, knowing that what I'm speaking comes from the message of the hour. That it doesn't come from a man-made thinking or some psychology someplace, but it's by the, the word that came from the prophet. You know what the mind of God is. Now, as we begin to unpack this just a little bit, I, in Genesis chapter 2, we see in, in verse 19, we'll read it together in just a moment, but, you know, we see God who, he's created Adam, and, and he's there in that garden, and God begins to present all that was created, all the animals before Adam, for Adam's placing it, for Adam's naming. Now, Adam, how did Adam do that? Well, Adam began to observe the characteristics. This is very important because Adam watched and he saw the characteristics of each animal. And he saw that within the characteristics there was a nature. And upon the characteristics and the nature, he began to name the animals. And so as we look to the screens for just a moment, we'll read together. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, it says, And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. That little verse, it sat there, and it sat there, and it popped out to me. Adam was brought, showing forth all God had created. Looking at all the characteristics, looking at every nature that God had created as animal that came out of the ground. And as Adam searched, as Adam searched, there was nothing found like him. Now, you got to think just a moment because before God was called God or the object of worship, God filled all time and space. He was spirit. And there he desired somebody to worship, somebody to fellowship, somebody to be on his level. But there was none found until the creative work of Adam. Now also you notice here, out of the ground, I want to underline that, out of the ground God formed. He took the elements of the ground and he formed Adam he connected him to this earth. He was there to subdue. He was there to, to reign upon the earth. He was there to be an amateur God. Yeah. 
So he, he formed Adam out of the ground and Adam and then breathed the breath of life into Adam. So God identified himself with Adam by that breath of life. We are creatures formed from the ground. 16 elements. We wandered like beasts until the breath of God breathed into our very being. And then we became a living soul for Jesus Christ. Then we became a helpmate for Jesus Christ. Then we became suitable, friends. Then we began to have the characteristics and the nature that God desired to have to be just like himself. So out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fallow of the air. But he did not breathe his own life in them. They were beastly natures. You and I that are recreated in the image of God, we have that breath of life, that same, hallelujah, that same life. When he said, let there be light, is that same life that lives in your being. That is that same life that's walking with you in your marriage. That is that same life that is raising your children in the admonition of Jesus Christ, that life of God. But then we see suddenly the pattern changes because, you know, Adam is looking and he's desiring and there was no one. There was nothing there could be his helpmate. So the pattern changes, and and God, he does not form out of the ground now. But now what does he do? He he doesn't create something like one of the other animals. No, God takes from Adam the very life source. Now, that definition of oneness, oneness is the fact or state of being unified or whole. It's, it's that state of being a oneness, together, a whole. The two shall become one. You know, when we stand here, and I love this, dearly beloved, we have gathered today in the midst of the company of friends, and the two come together. When they come together, they are two separate people. But then we begin to speak, and there's vows that are done. There's, there's what we call holy matrimony and a blessing, not just the words, but a blessing of God that takes two people and makes them one. That they are fellowshipping under one headship, under one commitment, under the, the guidance and the, the instilling life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see here this oneness of being whole. In Genesis 2.21 now it reads, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. This is the Lord Jesus doing some surgery. He's a surgeon, did you know that? I'm going to stop here just a moment. If you've got something in your body that needs some help, some surgery, our Lord Jesus is a good surgeon. He put out, and he's an anesthesiologist as well. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He's the lily of the valley. He's got some opium to take care of every need tonight. Hey, man, that's just given to you, hey, man, for a bonus tonight. So if you got something tonight, praise the Lord. Just, just, just ask him, Lord, I need a little bit of, of spiritual opium to, to help me through these struggles. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. 
So he removed a rib. And Brother Brandon would say to us, ah, that's why you men have one less rib. He closed the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman. This is not from the ground. Now he's formed an object and breathed new life. No, he took from the rib. He took from Adam's rib and he made woman. I want to make this live to you. I don't know how I can, but I desire for you. Here's God. has got a bloody rib in his hand. I mean, God has just done surgery. And he's got this rib, this bloody rib in his hand. And that rib, it has life all around it. How many knows that your blood, your hemoglobin, it carries oxygenated life. That means there's, there's breath, there's life right there in that hemoglobin. That original hemoglobin came from the breath of God. And woman, she was created from that rib, that same life, friends, that's, that breathed into Adam, the same life that created all the other animals, that same life now was within, on that rib and within that rib, that same life that is now within you and I. And out from, out from this original came forth a byproduct. Out from the original rib came forth a byproduct. The spoken word had created this body of woman right around the rib of Adam. And creative life began to work vigorously. I want to see, let you see yourself in this because when you were changed from a beastly nature into a holy nature unto God, you no longer wandered like a beast. Something else changed your life. It was a supernatural, vigorous work of God that you don't have the desires of this world. You don't have the desires of the elements of this world, but your, your desires are Jesus Christ. And as it began to work vigorously in forming the woman, she was created. And Adam saw her and he says, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And the Bible says she was called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, we, sisters, you should never feel, uh, feel uh, sensitive towards this. What a wonderful thing that... That God had taken from that original form thing, created your life out of it. She wasn't formed out of the ground like the original creation. She was taken as a byproduct from Adam. Now, oftentimes we scratch our head because we use that word byproduct. And a lot of times when we use that word byproduct, we use it really, really negative. How many knows that? The woman was a byproduct because she fell into sin. Yes, she listened to the wrong word. That's what the prophet of God said. But I want you to notice that, that when she was taken as a byproduct from Adam, my mind goes to byproducts that are wonderful. I'm not going to byproducts that are of negative nature because when Adam was woken and he saw woman, he finally saw somebody that was of his characteristics. That was of his nature. And so I think of it, you know what a, a byproduct of butter is? Buttermilk. 
I, I, I've known to do a little bit of cooking. And I, I realize that butter is very good. It's original. It's wonderful. But, you know, there's a byproduct that comes forth called buttermilk. And buttermilk to your recipe, sisters, can add a, a wonderful dose of tanginess. In fact, it brightens up your recipes. I, I like to make fried chicken. And at one time, Sister and Hannah and I were going to have a restaurant, a fried chicken restaurant. And, and part of the secret of, of the ingredients was buttermilk. You see, butter was good, and it's part of the original, but I needed to have buttermilk to brighten up my recipe. See, buttermilk, it brightens the recipes. Uh, sisters, you don't have to walk around feeling like you're, you're, you're uh, uh, just a byproduct because of the fall. You're not responsible for what Adam, uh, for Eve and Adam did. The Lord has forgiven the situation. The Lord has given us of his nature. The Lord has filled us with his life. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so I like to say to our, our sisters, you know, be, be thankful that God has called you as a byproduct to brighten up the life of Adam. You know, my dear brothers that are married, just, just for just a moment, don't, 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 you know, suffocate that brightness in your life. Let that brightness shine for brothers and, and allow God to use your helpmate in the gifts that God has given her. You, you need to because you know something, sometimes we're just stubborn brutes. Sister Hannah, don't say amen all at once. You know, sometimes we've got a mindset and we only can think one direction and it's problem solving and we solve the problem and it doesn't matter what's in the way. Sometimes we just have to cut through and, and, and we make a lot of damage. Come on, anybody with me? Okay, it's not the time to check your phone or, or wonder, what, are we done yet? You know, It's the truth. We, this is what, and God has given us a helpmate. Uh, how many brothers have ever missed a turn going someplace? Yeah, without GPS, us brothers are lost. But the Lord has put, stated a, 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 a natural GPS inside of my wife next to me. Praise God. Yes, I find church, Sister Karen, just because my wife, you know. I'm just trying to tell you, sisters, be encouraged tonight. She is the helpmate. She is the helper. Children. Children, listen to your mothers. Now, you know, here is a suitable, a helpmate that suits you. I, I, you know, when you are young people now, we're going to speak to you for just a moment. When, when you are looking for your helpmate, you need to do it prayerfully. Young ladies, you need to find the right rib. <laughs> yeah. Brothers? You know, when you're looking for your wife, she can be a blessing from the Lord, but the Bible says she can all be, so be water in your blood. So in this little excerpt to the young people, be very prayerful. Okay? Be very prayerful. I want to tell you like this. It's farther in my notes where I'm not going to get probably tonight. But, you know, when, when you buy a house, when you buy a house, you never buy the house solely on the paint job. <laughs> right? I, 
When I would buy a house, I, I would hire somebody that knows houses and would do a full inspection on the house. And they would come back and they would say, okay, this construction is good, it's sound, the roof is not bowing, the, the plumbing's good, the electrical is good. They give me all everything that is negative and positive about the house. Now, I want to put this little caveat in also. The intriguing part is the paint. You know, we were one, once young too. We know that we ought to look for character. That's what we ought to. Prayerful character. But you know something? Your helpmate, Adam, when he looked at her, he looked at her at her characteristics, and he was happy she was woman. So we look at characteristics to know what's inside of the building. Brother Brown would teach us, and you know from our ministries that we would look at the mothers and the fathers. We look at the family trees. We don't just run into things. Are you okay? All right, parents and grandparents, you can say amen. We look at the family trees. We want to see whether or not there's a stubborn old German nature in there. We want to see if there's a fighter, a fighter uh, Irish nature in there. We want to see, you know, if there's a carefree, spendy nature in there. So we're very careful. And, 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 and these things should never be walked into lightly but observance towards the Lord. So Adam had a helpmate. And uh, you got to have love and fellowship with this helpmate. Now, Brother Brown would say here, you must be born again. He said, you've got a wife, and you pulled her to your bosom. And God put her on your heart and printed you against her, and she's yours. We're talking about a helpmate. I'm talking about what Christ did for you. He pulled you into his side. From his side came forth life. So natural typing the spiritual. Now, husbands, it's a good thing for you to pull your wife next to your bosom. It's good that you keep that imprint in their lives. And, and, and that she knows without a shadow of doubt that you are there to care and love her, and you belong to the household where she is called and brought to. Your entire thoughts should be your thoughts towards the welfare of your family. Between husband and wife, they should care about one another's welfare. Remember, your vow is till death do us part. So you care for one another's welfare. You care for your children's welfare. Always bring it back to the Lord Jesus caring for our welfare. Or even the church that we go to, that there's such an environment and such a, a, a holy unction and a presence that's here that we care for one another's welfare. Yes, praise God. We're family, are we not? We're children of God. We're we care for one another's welfare. We care for it. Now, Adam cared so much for a woman, which after the fall was called Eve. Adam forfeited the title deed. You see, there were some characteristics within inside of Adam that were placed in there by God, reflecting God's own nature. And God's nature desires for himself to be Savior. He desires to be healer. 
He desires to be, uh, to, to be provider. All the, the compound names of God, the characteristics of God. God desires to show forth these fruits. And we see in Adam's life, Adam desired to be so connected with Eve, he could not stand for her to just be lost. Now, Brother Brandon would make this statement, and you know, I, you know you've read it before, he, and he said, you know, you know, Eve never sinned, and I scratched my head until I begin to read farther. And the truth is, Eve, she was that byproduct. And Adam knew the reality. He knew the truth. The day that you eat that of that tree, that day you shall die. He knew it. He was the, the firm foundation of the family. But because, because Eve took it to himself, what happened? He stepped into the gap and he took it into his own hands, into his own life. And he, he knowledge, full of knowledge and willfully sinned. He went against God. Now the byproduct, the woman, she listened to the voice and she had desires for all of the wisdom of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You, you can imagine. Now we know that life comes through that, that, that sexual sin and serpent seed comes through that same kind of thing. But you can imagine as she began to watch. Now there was animals that were on the earth and they had kind, uh, uh, things after their own kind. And, and children were supposed to come by the spoken word of God. Adam was supposed to speak that word, and life would come forth of their nature, of their characteristics, just as he, as Eve was formed, that by the spoken word, the children were supposed to come forth. But she could not, she couldn't, she could not understand, or she could not get to the place of knowing the reality of it. And so she listened to the serpent. And in that voice of the serpent, the serpent beguiled her, the scripture says. The, the, the serpent tricked her. But, but Adam was never tricked because he knew that we were not to touch that. That was not the way it was supposed to come. But because of sin, we bypassed it and we did the wrong thing. Amen. So Adam's thoughts, are you with me tonight? Adam's thoughts were for the welfare of Eve. He wanted to be connected. And Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Yeah. You know, he didn't, like Brother John said this morning, he didn't have to. Yeah, that's right. He could spoke the word and the angels would have delivered him. Oh, yeah, sure, but for you and I. Yeah, <laughs> he desired to go the way of pain and suffering. So there would be a bride that could have life. That out from his side could come water and blood and begin to spill upon the ground. That ground which has identified you and I. And it would be that covering for us. That would be that drawing to us, friends, that we could have life. And that life would come shortly on the day of Pentecost. He would breathe the breath of life into our very beings because of what the price he paid for, for you and I. So that place of, uh, uh, of help meet is a, is a position of dignity. You know, God wants a bride just like a man desires to have a wife. I say it to you like this. It's not natural for a man not to desire to have a wife. We've come to a time and a season where we, we've talked to our children in such a way that 
You need to have everything all set up. You've got to have money in the bank. You need to, you know, you've got to have a, you've got to have a house or workings towards a house. You should have a car. You should have all these workings, you know, all, everything that, that's a provision, and then get married. Well, by the time that they're at that spot, the men are in their 30s, and the sisters are coming to a place where their, their lives are, uh, their life from their bodies is starting to windle. And we're finding more and more, and we're going to talk about selfishness in just a moment, but we're finding more and more of our offspring desiring to please themselves rather than do what God has called them to do, and that is to bring forth life. It's a spirit of the age. The spirit of the age has caused men to lust after men and women to lust after women. And we are not in that place in the house of God where we have that kind of, that kind of uh, thing that's going on. But the spirit of the, of the age is brooding upon our youth to say, I'd rather have the boat and the car. And I'd rather do this and do that than have a woman that I'll care for. We always were preaching, let me tell you, all the women, they just, just want to mother a dog, and they, they don't want to nurse a child, and they don't want to have their bodies disfigured. But I'm finding now, the, the prophet didn't speak of it, but I'm just finding it with my own sense of finding that the males in this message are not looking for wives. They're looking for more work. They're looking for things that satisfy their own beings. And I believe, now this is my personal belief, it's, the, it's the, the, the age that we're lifting and the spirit of the age that's affecting the people. The word unity, the word unity means the state of being united or joined as a whole. It is a people that are willing to be part and come together to be walking in Christ, men walking, women walking together, and children under relationship of a family, of a mother and father. And so I want to point to this next image here. It's number 13 on the screen as we speak about this. I want us to see that our headship is Christ Jesus. We're, we're the family now of God. and we're, our, our headship is Christ Jesus. And then uh, there we have headship. We have a husband. And God has called a man to be head over his family. And maybe sometime we could get into that extently. But that man is there to protect his family, to lead his family. Now, I was going to say this, and I, I, I don't mean it to bite or to hurt, but why is it that we have only women mostly coming to, to Bible study? I don't know where to look. If you look around the room tonight, most of the time in every church, Brother John, we look at you and preach to you. It's more comfortable. Why is it that when you look around the room or you look in different churches, you begin to see, friends, that it's women that come to church when men are supposed to be leading their families? We really want to have our children to be obedient and to love us and to love the Lord Jesus, our head. But we need to have the lead of the family. We just don't need a provider. We need to have a leader. 
We need somebody that will work under the headship of Christ. Then under the, the husband, we have a wife. And that wife, she's that feminine touch. Remember, we talked about that brightness. She's that one that she brings comfort. Father's at home. She gathers the children, and she begins to read the Scripture to the children. When I was a little boy, my sister's the same my mother would gather us around. Now, we were just little school-age children, and later on we had to have other kind of devotions. But at school, I remember she'd gather us around, and, and she would open the Bible, and she would begin to read the Scripture to us. And wherever we'd end, she'd pass us the Bible, and we would take our little marker, and we'd put a dot. Because next, tomorrow, we were excited to pick her up from that dot. Mother would teach us. She had that nature, that soft nature. When you bruised your knee, she was there to help you. But also, mothers have an intuitive sense of the Holy Spirit inside of them. The children come forth from their bodies. It's a, a man doesn't have it. But mother knows exactly. Now, my mother used to, you know, my mother knew, my mother knew. She would be on, the worst thing was coming in home at night as maybe a little rebellious teenager and hear your mother praying. She wasn't praying for just the, the lunch. <laughs> she was praying for her boy. She had that, that, in, that, that, that sense with inside of her that caused her to call the name unto the Lord. Now you sisters, you know what I'm talking about. You, that, that, you know, that sense of the Holy Spirit. She's got that nature, that sensitivity of the nature. And inside of her, yes, instinct, and inside of her came four children, and those children are under the headship of mother, father, and who is Christ Jesus. Ultimately, our headship is Christ. That's the one we're in fellowship with. That's the one that we're leaning to, not our own understanding, but his understanding. In our entire lives, we're looking for direction. I don't have all the answers. I, I, I don't. I'm male. I, I don't. And uh, my wife doesn't have all the answers either. But the Word of God does. Christ has the answer. I don't mean that cliche. I, I don't. No. When you have a need, you go to the Lord Jesus. Sisters, you, you have an open connection with Christ Jesus. Your earthly head is your husband. You're subject unto your husband. But I want to tell you like this. If your husband asks you to do something that's different from the word, if your natural husband asks you to do something immoral, something different from the scriptures or the prophet's message, you have every right because your, your headship is Christ. And you must follow after Christ. Under Christ, we are not male, we are not female, we're not bond, we're not free. We're children of Christ. And so we're subject unto Christ. But you know, to have, to be subject, to have fellowship, to have this desire of helpmate, we need to come and have love. Um, you know, they ask some grade schoolers sometimes, what is, what is the definition of love? And uh, lots of you can read these different things, but the one thing that struck me, this little grade schooler, he said, you know what love is? Love is uh, when my grandma... She can't tie her shoes because of arthritis. And my grandpa bends down 
and ties her shoes. But he also has arthritis. To me, that was love. And now you said, oh, I, I really uh, got your emotions today. <laughs> Nobody start crying because then all of a sudden someone will bring the quote. My brother Brandon was preaching and he had them all cry and they said, that was the horriblest message you ever preached. <laughs> so nobody start crying, I'm watching you all. But there's a sense of love, we need to have love. In Ephesians 5 verse 25, very simple verse. Husbands, love your wives. Your own wife. Right, I, I know people make a polygamy doctrine right out of that. No, 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 no. Husbands, you only have one wife. In Titus chapter 2, verse 4, teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. The Lord is teaching us a lot of things, but mothers, it's a responsibility for you to teach your girls how to be good keepers and love of homes, to love their husbands and to love their children. It, it, it's, it's, it's your job because you, you, it's not trial and error once they get married. Are we okay? It's not. No, you have a responsibility. Mothers, fathers, the church. We're a community of believers that look out for each other. Right? Brother Brandon was saying the message, thy house. He says, I was telling my wife the other day how much I loved her. Wow, that's romantic. So I don't, I, I don't guess she, she wants me to talk about this, but I do in private, so I, I guess I can do it in public right now. <laughs> Isn't that us preachers? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take a moment and tell Sister Hannah, Sister Hannah, I love you. Okay, I did that. Uh, now, if you've got somebody, Brother Eddie, you can look at your wife and say, we're all watching you now, Brother Eddie. Praise God. Amen. You can say it in that Selvin voice, love you. <laughs> Brother Eddie's never come to church again. I pick on him every time. It's because I love him dearly. But I, I, I do it in private, so I guess I can do it in public now. I was telling her how much I loved her and, and how I always have loved her since the first beginning. Isn't that amazing? You know, somebody once said, you know, I told my wife once I loved her, and if it changes, I'll let her know. That's not, no. Listen, everybody wants to be told they're loved. And, and if you don't have a husband, you want somebody, a friend. You want somebody to tell you, children, you want to be told you're loved. You don't want your children verbally abused. No, it's a household of love. Brother Branham's preaching, thy house. And then beginning, can you read again? She said, oh, Bill. She says, <clears throat> talking about how fat she was getting and, and her hair turning gray. I just want to stop there for a moment. She wasn't ashamed of having gray hair. Just chew on that for a minute because as our sisters get over, older, they're kind of ashamed to have gray hair. 
It's natural, don't you think? Come on, brothers. You, you ought to be telling your wives you better, how beautiful your wives are with the graying hair rather than saying, you should get the bottle out and fix it. Yeah. Come on. I'm, I'm not preaching right or wrong. I'm just saying you ought to love her enough to accept her that she gets old. Accept the fact that she's changing in life. Right? Gray hair is a beautiful thing. Actually, the people, young girls in the world right now are trying to dye their hair gray. And our children, women in the message are trying to make it dark again. And then it turns purple because it doesn't take the gray, uh, the, dark, the dye anymore. <laughs> well, I'm in trouble. I can see the text pop, popping up in the emails, Brother John. My Jesus, I'm in trouble. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I'm not preaching against any. I'm just telling you, like, it's time to, for us to be like natural good Christians that are just willing to let things happen the way they happen. I don't know. How fat she was getting and her hair turning gray and said, honey, you could be that wide and no hair and I'd still love you the same. You know, you're not always taking her to the gym and saying, honey, let's get on the treadmill. You know, you're like, <laughs> right? You're, you're encouraging. You know, you're, I'm happy where you are in your life. Let's just be healthy. I think healthy, temples of the Lord, let's be healthy. I think everybody needs a good dose of healthy, right? <laughs> when you meet that girl that you love and there's just something you know you love her. And that's just all there it is to it. Or you love him, and that's, you don't care whether he is handsome or, or whether he's not handsome or whether she's pretty or not pretty. That doesn't matter. But you love them just the same. When you go to church and you say, well, I'm going to join church and I'm going to be baptized. If that isn't coming from the heart of, of love to God yonder, it'll never go nowhere. So now we were talking about the human love, but now we're talking about the love to God. Yeah. Let's focus there now. Our eyes set there for just a minute. Yeah. You'll just, you, you'll just do, the, uh, do his joint church and be baptized. But when you're converted to Christ, a love to Christ, that you accumulate a faith in Christ. Yeah. You have faith in him. You have a trust and a faith in him. You believe his word, friends. Yeah. Like you would to your wife or to your husband. You accumulate a faith that you walk in that faith. Another place Brother Bramer talks about his, his relationship with his wife. He says, when I go overseas, if you remember, he says, my wife doesn't worry. When she's gone, he doesn't worry. Why? Because there's a, a love relationship. There's a faith there. Then Brother Brown begins again to say, but the church, the bride, is united by one, one God under one spirit. The spirit of God is the holy union of God. To be one holy bride to God. That's right. Altogether, unity of the body, the body waiting as a bride as it is the bride as we call ourselves the bride. Yes. Oh, who's the bride here tonight? Yes. We're the bride. Amen. For the uniting time of the bride... The church is so coming together. It should create just a love among us that we could hardly be away from one another. Okay, so, you know, when you, 
Well, let me pick on Brother Karim for just a moment. We took him to India, and he was away from Sister Shannon. Man, alive. Poor guy. I, I mean, I called him a sap, really, you know. He just was all oh, blubbering, oh. And I thought first it was Mila, but really it was Sister Shannon. Oh, how <laughs> wonderful. So most brothers could go hunting for three weeks and never even thought of calling our wives. Of course she knows that. I mean, you could be dead someplace. You don't even have a thought. Send my wife on a shopping trip. I wonder if she thinks about me. No, she does. Because I text her. <laughs> we should be have that thought, right? one to another. It's a real love relationship. When you just don't have to beg. Now listen, this is for our church. I, I really wanted to put this up for our church. When you just don't have to beg people to pray. You know, it's really, it's really hard as leaders to say, let's pray. Will you pray? Can you call on to the Lord? We, use, we have to say, let them that have breasts praise the Lord. Amen. Hoping that you'll grab hold of the scripture and you'll obey the word. Yep. And then we say, now, isn't there anybody want to pray? And then somebody says, well, don't tell me what to do. I'll pray when I want to pray. Or, or how about this? Uh, you don't have to beg them to worship God. You know, there's, and I'm not being tough or nothing. I, I, I really have love for all of us. But you know something? When you stand up here and where I'm sitting or the song leader song leading and he's, they're song leading and praising the Lord, yes. it's actually, you watch, the, you watch, and hands are in the pockets. People are standing like this, mouthing the words. If you're lucky, you get four or five hands in the, in the air. And then the song leader feels like saying, come on. Can you give a clap offering to the Lord? It's trying to wake you up. Because we're trying not to say, would you clap your hands or raise your hands so that we don't get that, uh, you know, that feeling of don't tell me what to do. So we try to use other terminologies to try to get you to worship. We're always prodding. Come on. When God himself is in the building, we sing, oh, come, let us adore him. But we don't adore him. I hope this is not too hard for you, but uh, I, it's got to be spontaneous praise from our hearts. Like, you've got to come to church and want to praise God. You've got, you've got to come to be desirous to, to raise your hands in serenity without somebody nagging at you. So that, those words from the prophet. I, you know, uh, I, I, anyways, you don't have to beg them to do what's right. They're just so in love with him till there's nothing else. I'd like to just stop here for just a moment because we, we all love the Lord very much. And I think we've all desired in our heart not just to be caught in a wind of fanaticism. Can you, can you all agree? So then, and so then we're cautious on the other side. Because, you know, we, we don't want all that just emotion jumping around and, and, and uh, spiritual aerobics, right? Yeah, we, I think you say like you and I, I want the real move of God. Yeah. And so when the, when, the, when the Holy Spirit comes in the building, I think you will agree with me, in the Old Testament, the posts begin to move. Yeah. 
right? The presence of God was there. Holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. Nobody, nobody's afraid for anybody to get out of their seat and raise their hands and to enjoy the presence of the Lord. Nobody, but let it be the presence of the Lord. We just don't want fanaticism with young people on the platform doing whatever. No, we want the holy unction of God. Brother John, that's what we desire. We, we, we're not preaching. We never preached for the last couple of months on these things, not just to, to stop you, to be still and just be stoic people. No, we want you to be move in his presence. You're free. Oftentimes when the ballots are out, we preach way over here and pretty soon it's way over here and we're such a cold, formal people, can't worship God, can't have no love relationship. Have you ever seen a, 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 a well, some of you know it, you walk through your pa times of life and things in your marriages get pretty dry. You think, man, how are we going to make this? I mean, this is tough and maybe you come for counseling or, you know, maybe you get prayer for somebody, something or whatever else, but... But, but friends, it should not be, our lives in our marriages should be passionate, not false. You know, husband comes in from work, oh, how are you? You know, I mean, if my wife brought me the newspaper and orange juice to the door once I came home from work, something's wrong. Right, that's kind of like a fanatical work. But if she hollers from the kitchen, hey, I'm in the kitchen. Right? Come on in here. I'm in the kitchen. Oh, I know everything's good. Everything's normal. You know, most, most likely I, I, there's something frying and I'll go pick it out of there and she'll say, don't touch that. And it'll be a good relationship. It's passionate. Right? That's what we want in the church. Something that is passionate and not out of order. There's got to be a love within our hearts like that boxcar. If you'll pull up the picture of the boxcar. Brother Brown talks about the old boxcar, remember? How many would like to live in there? I mean, that's not, a, that's not a mansion. A focused family unto the Lord in unity could live in there and be in full comfort and in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Because Brother Brown told a whole story about a couple, you know, and they came and she was a pretty old thing, and he was, he was a hillbilly. And, and you know, he, he asked if they loved one another. I, I have a whole quote there. He said, I asked if they loved one another. You can put it on there. He says, sure. So I said, well, now, remember, happiness does not, does not consist of how much uh, of the world good you own, but how content you are with the portion that's allotted to you. What do you mean? You know, we do a lot of money spending, especially at Christmas, we do a lot of money spending actually through our lives with things that we think we need. And our credit cards go way up. Did you know that causes tension? Right? I don't know about you, but you know when, the, when, when you, WeQ sends me that credit card and uh, it's got like over and too much mon money on there? Uh, it causes my whole insides to get nervous. Because you know what I, I'm thinking? How am I going to pay for this? I, I know my fixed income. I, I know what I have. I, I, and, 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 you know, last time I checked, I don't have a money tree. And I have prayed and prayed that that tree... <laughs> you too? Yes! Just the same as I prayed, Lord, give me a ministry in Hawaii, and he sent me to Washington.
But it's not about the things we have. Now there'll be a time that you won't see things like uh, things alike. But always remember, you're still in love. Um, let's make this spiritual just for a moment. Um, when the Lord says no, we don't always like it. When you ask something of the Lord, and he says, mm, no, it's not my will, it's, it's not good for you. We don't, we don't always like it. So we're, we, we always don't see alike as the Lord. But there's something on the inside that triggers back and says, Lord, according to your will. So we don't always see things alike. But always remember you're still in love. Always remember that you love the Lord Jesus in sickness and health. You love the Lord Jesus whether you're rich or poor. You love the Lord Jesus whether you have a friend or don't have a friend. He is your friend. You have one another humanly because there's love. And when you, see, when you see one set in the way and the other one don't, I said give in. <laughs> if you're wrong, it'll show. After a while, it'll be all right. I said there's a little bowl in the human heart that's full of golden oil called love. If it is ever broke, it can be healed up. But there'll be a scar there as long as you live. Can I read one more and then we'll close? And here you hear him, Brother Branham said, when your little wife told you that she'd be your sweetheart and wife, she was looking for somebody to love her. She wasn't looking to be the maid. Although she looks after the home. She wouldn't just want to do your laundry. Although she does the laundry. She doesn't want to just be the cook. Though she is a good cook. She just doesn't want to take care of your earthly needs. Although she does. She wants you to love her. That's what our Lord Jesus wants of us. You're not just going to prayer and saying, Lord, I need, I need Santa Claus. Looks like Santa Claus. I need this. Lord, I really ran up those credit bills. Could you help me bail me out? And the Lord says, hang on a second. You, you did the sin and you do the praying. You do the fixing. Right? Oh, Lord, I need this. Oh, Lord, I need that. If you don't come, Lord, it's going to be not on time. The Lord is always on time. The Lord wants you to love him. And when you promised your husband he was looking for some uh, when he was looking for somebody when he come in tired and weary from work and all day some little wife to put his arms around him and kindly brush his hair back ooh, and tell him how much she loved him brother mark you have something to look forward to now when you get home i gave you a quote When you come in from driving that truck and it's been a hard day weaving out of traffic and you waltz in, Sister Renee will be there and she'll smooth back that nice brown hair and she will tell you, Brother Mark, I love you dearly. Yeah, praise God. Does she? Yeah. Witnesses, praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. 
Brother Branham says this in very serious tones. He says, that's what causes separation in families is the neglect of love. Your relationship with Jesus, what, what, why are you suffering? Neglect of love. Neglect of fellowship. That causes the separation in churches. Neglect of love. We've got to have love. The Lord bless his word. We'll just go on and on. And I've kept you long enough. And it's been painful long enough for all of us. But, but, but maybe the Lord will have us continue in another, in another time. I want to say love one another. Amen. Hey, Brother Solomon, would you come? Praise the Lord. Thank you for that, amen, encouragement tonight. I, I needed it after all I said. Amen.